So I think as we look forward, you know, we will continue to invest in ways to serve our customers remotely um, and digitally. And you know, again, it will be a hybrid experience. So we will also always service our customers in person, but it's allowed us to just get more efficient, frankly, and learn, learn about what is uniquely important to the interaction and where the interactions want to be and need to be in person versus where they do not. So I, you'll see, you know, we'll continue to invest in our digital sales capacity. Um, you'll, we'll continue to invest. I mean, we, we've learned so much about how our, our customer experiences are so critical for their own employees. So we will continue to invest in our modern work portfolios, which is really how people interact every single day. Um, so it's helped us drive some technology decisions around our investment categories mm-hmm. um, and where we find we can continue to support our customers. So it's been really, it's been a great learning for us. I mean, it was yep. a, obviously a very difficult time for many, um, but we learned a lot. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics they talk? We listen. My guest today is the North American president of one of the world's most recognizable brands. She's also a member of a number of boards to include a recent appointment to the board of directors for Ralph Lauren. I'm excited to conclude this retail series with my guest today. How fitting it is to talk with someone who has brought her extensive leadership tech and digital experience to one of the world's foremost fashion brands. But before we get into that, here is a brief message. This episode is sponsored by Axia. Axia is the leading private cloud platform in the Alessian and Matamos ecosystem, combining intelligent solutions with security and control. Axia's clients profit from digitalization and automation of critical business processes in a cloud and hybrid architecture. 150 staff provide migration, engineering and support services to over 200 leading organizations in 32 countries. Let's talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Deb Cup is the president of Microsoft North America. She leads a $58 billion business responsible for sales strategy, execution, and revenue growth for the Microsoft US and Canada business. This includes enterprise, public sector, small and medium businesses, services, and partner communities. She manages a team pursuing Microsoft's mission to empower every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. Deb leads with a culture first mentality, driving a diverse, inclusive and flexible workplace that connects her team to the company's purpose and values. Prior to joining Microsoft, Deb's role included, but not limited to senior vice president and managing director of success factors for North America at SAP and vice president of sales for standard register healthcare business. A number of board memberships position, as mentioned, Debs recently joined the board of directors of Ralph Lauren, but she also serves on the board of directors at Avanard, the leading provider of digital and cloud services on the Microsoft ecosystem. Let's have a conversation now. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Deb to Heads Talk. Delighted to have you here today. 
Elaine, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. It's taken us a while, but we got there in the end. Um, I'd like to get straight. <laughs> I'd like to get straight into, without going into too much detail, but talk generally around your recent um, appointment with Ralph Lauren. Congratulations on becoming a member of the board. And secondly, um, I'd just like to ask this question: What is happening with tech and fashion today? Yeah, so thank you so much. You know, I am thrilled to be a part of the board. It's it's an honor and a privilege. It's a wonderful company and a, a wonderful management team. So it's an exciting uh, it's an exciting opportunity for me. Mm -hmm. um, as it relates to tech and fashion, I mean, it's it's a fascinating time. I mean, I think we we learned a lot through the pandemic in terms of how uh, fashion companies or retail companies interact with their consumer. Mm -hmm. And I think what we see is is the need and the desire for retail companies and fashion companies to know their consumer better. So they're trying to find ways to make sure that they create brand loyalty, that they create opportunities to deliver to their customers in an omni-channel way. So whether a consumer wants to shop in, in a store or a consumer wants to shop online, mm -hmm. how do you create experiences that feel consistent and seamless regardless of the way that you want to transact? Mm -hmm. um, and it's great. So I think th that's sort of on the front end of the house as you think about fashion and technology and, and retail all up, frankly. And on the back end, it's really about how do you manage your supply chain to the best of your ability and create signals and insights so that you know and have perspective as to where and what your consumers might need. So it's integral into, uh, into retail today in terms mm -hmm. of how they utilize yeah. technology. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and as you know, um, I'm currently running the retail series on, on Heads Talk. So would you say this is, this is kind of the biggest change that's happening in that sector at the moment in terms of the tech that's coming out there and the pace at which it's coming out? I think it's it's part of it for sure. I mean, I think that that there's that all companies, you know, retail included, mm -hmm. are thinking about how they utilize that tech in a more meaningful way. And and we see some companies that are expanding their purview in terms of what services they offer. So they mm -hmm. also think about how technology can connect the dots for their consumer as well. So I would say generally it, it is all about the consumer and how do you figure out how technology can enable that experience, that relationship, that connection, um, whether it's while someone is making a purchase or not. So both, you know, it's it's an experience actually in a lot of ways. So I think all all retail and fashion companies are thinking about how to create that better experience utilizing technology. Yeah, I, I see. It's exciting times happening at the moment. Yeah, it's neat. Yes, let, let's change the subject a little. Let's um, let's talk about Microsoft during the pandemic and beyond. First. How has the pandemic changed Microsoft's business model? Effectively, what are you doing now that perhaps you would not have been doing if not for the pandemic? Yeah, I think, you know, for us, it really taught us how we can work with our customers in a virtual way. Mm -hmm. You know, we, of course, still and will continue to have our, our sales teams work with our customers in person. Mm -hmm. But it really did educate us to let us know that we don't necessarily have to be in person to be efficient both for our customers and for ourselves. So I think as we look forward, you know, we will continue to invest in ways to serve our customers remotely um, and digitally. And you know, again, it will be a hybrid experience. So we will also always service our customers in person, but it's allowed us to just get more efficient, frankly, and learn, learn about what is uniquely important to the interaction and where the interactions want to be and need to be in person versus where they do not. So I, you'll see, you know, we'll continue to invest in our digital sales capacity 
Um, you'll, we'll continue to invest. I mean, we, we've learned so much about how our, our customer experiences are so critical for their own employees. So we will continue to invest in our modern work portfolios, which is really how people interact every single day. Um, so it's helped us drive some technology decisions around our investment categories mm-hmm. um, and where we find we can continue to support our customers. So it's been really, it's been a great learning for us. I mean, it was yep. a, obviously a very difficult time for many, um, but we learned a lot. And that's interesting. And sort of the, the, the opposite question is it's probably a difficult one to answer, but I'd be really curious to know what would have been the business plans and priorities for Microsoft if the pandemic hadn't happened? In yours, in your way. Yeah. It is a good, you know, it's always hard to say, you know, when hindsight, I guess, what would we have done differently? Um, You know, I think we would have at a very basic level, we would have expected more expense and travel. um, That's for sure. Um, So I think it would have impacted our cost structure a little bit. Uh, It actually allowed us to create investments other places. So I think that probably may not have happened. You know, we may not have been able to advance our product portfolios at the pace that we've been able to that that pace and the agility that that the pandemic created for us, I'm not sure it would have been at the speed that we've seen because of the pandemic. So I think it actually really taught us to be more agile, uh, taught us to be more specific around when and how we can release capability um, for our customers. And so I think in in that way, it's it's improved our ability to be uh, great partners for our customers. Yes, and I suppose we, we all know how terrible and awful the pandemic has been. But in a way, it, it's taken Microsoft, your organization, on, on a direction, but it's a good direction. That's what I'm getting from you. Yeah? Yes. It's a good direction. Yeah, I, I really feel that way. Yeah, I think we, you know, we learned a lot about ourselves, too. And I think on, on, the, on, a, on a different angle to the question, it's we learned a lot about our culture. And we learned mm-hmm. a lot about how we create connection for people um, and how important people are. And I think we knew that, of course, but yeah. it was an experience that I think created a deeper connection for, yeah. for those that work here, which I think was pretty neat. It's, it's, all, it's all very, very well sort of intellectually understanding that people important, but when you have to put it into practice, which is what the pandemic did, it made you realize, yes, we do know people are important in that sort of sense. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's right. Exactly. Okay, um, I was given a list of some of your focused areas. They included business transformation, leadership, culture, which you talked about, and customer success. Let's look at customer success, success and the digital transformation yeah. journey. You talk, so far about um, the, the consumer and the consumer experience, that's, that, mm-hmm. that, that's, that thread pretty much has been all through in terms of where you answer. So I know this is a good one for you. So how prepared or unprepared did you find your customers for digital transformation, especially in the light of the fact that it was expedited as a result of, of the pandemic? Yeah, I think it's um, I, it was all over the board. You, you know, I think there there were customers that were further along in their transformation journey. There were others that were not, and and got sort of catapulted into their transformation journey. And um, I think again, that's another learning. I think for all of us across every industry is to how to create an environment. If you think about technology specifically, mm-hmm. um, how do you create an in- environment where you you can be more agile based on what comes at you? And you know, that's one of the huge benefits of cloud is just this. agility that it creates. So I think for many customers, they were on that journey for sure. I mean, I don't think anyone didn't think that they had to go through that. Um, But I think it just sped everybody up. So we found all different levels of, of um, readiness. And, you know, for us, it was just about how do we meet them where they are 
And how do we help them figure out what to attack first? Because you can't do it all, right? So yeah. you know, what can we do to make sure that we are making them viable from a business perspective, that we are allowing them to have their employees connect in the most effective way, you know, just keeping them um, in a place where we can help them execute to the best of their ability. So, so we saw all ranges, you know, we mm -hmm. saw all experiences and, and for us, it was just about how do we meet them where we are, where they are and how do we help them along that journey? So let, let's, let's expand your, your point about level of readiness. So were there specific industries yeah. or sectors that you found more prepared than others and why? Um, I think, you know, we, we found healthcare was probably an area that um, was struggled the most, but responded the quickest. Um, and what I mean by that is the healthcare industry traditionally is just very, uh, has so many different point solutions in technology mm -hmm. that it's very hard for them to mobilize um, in, in a way that other industries may be able to. So just by the nature of the way healthcare grew up, it, it made it difficult for them to be able to pivot quickly. So when they had to, they sure did, you know, and I think it, it's, it's a testament to what can happen uh, mm -hmm. when needed. Uh, but that's an example of an industry that just, it's just harder. It, it just, just their, where they come from and their baseline of experience in terms of way the systems were architected in the beginning, just make it harder for them. Um, you see financial services generally it was quite ready. You know, I think they've, they've had experiences in the past where they had to make some some quick transitions in terms yeah. of how they manage business. So I think they tended to be a little more ready for those um, those transitions. Manufacturing, uh, in some cases, we had some that were that their their challenge actually was so much more on the supply chain side, which some of that was completely out of their control. But you know, we were working to help some of our manufacturing companies just get insights, you know, to get some digital signals so they knew specifically where and what they could they could impact. And for those that had to get out of facilities, mm -hmm. um, that's a challenge, right? When you're running a, a production line, um, we worked with a lot of customers to create what we call digital twin, which was actually being able to see digitally what was happening on a production line so that we could help them with service or, you know, proactive break fix so that they could be ready to, to pivot when they needed to. So all different examples in different industries, I think you, you, on a scale, could, you, there were some in each that were advanced and there were some in each that oh, perhaps needed okay. some additional support. It's, it's interesting that you said about the financial services, I wouldn't have sort of put them sort of in the top layer of those that were more ready than others, but it's interesting that you, you said that. And I think for financial services, it, it also has to do with the way they go to market. So, you know, they don't have a product per se. Yep. So, you know, it's a little bit different in terms of what they have to do um, versus a, an organization that's actually manufacturing something. So I think that also lends to the ability for them to pivot a little more quickly. All right. OK. OK. Right. Another one of your focus areas, leadership. And I'll be very yeah. interested in your, your answer to one or two of the points I want to put to you. Um, how would you, you describe your own leadership approach or even style? Yeah. You know, I think for me, it's just... Uh, team first, you know, I think a lot about my job is to support people to do their very best. And that's how I think about everything that I do. So as I think about what can I do to make sure that I am creating a path, that I am clear and consistent on a North star mm -hmm. that, you know, clear, you know, we talk about clarity at, at Microsoft all the time, you know, creating clarity is one of our leadership principles. Um, and generating focus, generating energy and um, and focus on execution. And I think that sort of describes 
my style in a lot of ways. I'm a big fan of, of I guess I'm a glasses half full person. You know, I, I often think right. about, you know, what the goodness of all the things that we do. And I try to bring that energy to the work that I do every single day. But for me, it's, a, it's about people, you know, and that's it. Like, you, 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 there's no reason to be a leader if you, if you don't have deep interest in helping and developing and letting people realize their potential. And for me, it's all about how that comes together to deliver on behalf of both those people. Mm-hmm. And in the end, that helps you deliver on behalf of your company. That's interesting because I think if we asked about leadership 10 years ago, we probably would have had a slightly different definition or many people would have given a very different definition. So I want to put to you, how, how, has, how have you changed in terms of your leadership post the pandemic? Because the pandemic has sort of yeah. allowed leaders to sort of, I don't know if the right word is to soften their approach or focus their approach in terms of what they're doing. It'd be interesting to, to get from you, Deb, how, if at all, the pandemic has changed and modified how you lead? I think it's just about more empathy. Mm. I think that, you know, taking, and I think that's probably the biggest change to your point on what's different from 10 years ago for, yeah. for just leadership in general. Yeah. I think it's just taking the minute to really think about what is happening with that other person, what environment or situation are they sitting in? So if someone's not showing up at their best, my first reaction now is what's happening to not allow them to show up at their best. So I don't think about it in the context of the person not performing. I think of it in the context of what's happening around that person first. Mm -hmm. So are there things that we can do to support that person to have better outcome um, based on perhaps something that they're struggling with? So I think my, my brain has shifted a little bit in terms of that. I think, you know, I've, I've gotten to be more around, uh, reflective, I think, of just trying to get an understanding of where people are um, mm-hmm. before before I react. Okay. Now, now um, more on your observation of leaders and leadership in itself, what would you say the new breed of leaders post-pandemic or even with the event of the um, digital era? You know, I think it's, um, I think leaders, again, are just uh, more empathetic. I think they're more people-based. I think they're more oriented around um, success for others. Are you I think seeing that, that, or is that what's been said? Are you? Actually I see it. it. I see it. Yeah, I, I absolutely see it. Now, I want to be super clear. That does not mean that great leaders aren't focused on results. They are. So I think that what they're doing, though, is they're helping people see the path to success based on what those people care about. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's more effort in making sure people understand their path and their journey to whatever that success criteria is and helping them get there. So I think instead of it just being about, you know, here here are the results we're shooting for and yes, we're going to hold a high bar. Now it's here are the results we're shooting for. Yes, we're going to hold a high bar. And I'm going to show you why it matters to you. Why is it good for you? Why is it good for your teams? How does this fit into the overall value of the company? So we're seeing it more and more. I mean, I, I think... That's, I think that's, at least to me, you know, if you were asking me, what does a good leader look look like? I think that's what a good leader looks like. All right. So, so we know what's in, and you've talked about empathy and a a lot of previous um, guests on the show, they talk about empathy. They're talking that sort of language. So what's out in terms of leadership traits? I think jerks are out. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think people who, who are just... Jerks are out. Like I, you know, I think that style. Where have um, they retired to? Not... Yes, I think I just think that style is not 
<laughs> is not wanted, desired. Um, you know, you can be, you can hold a high bar, but you can be kind. Okay. And and to me, that's what's in. And I think tips <laughs> um, are out. Deb, you know? Debs, I, I know what you're talking about. I understand what you're saying. But for my listeners, can you define the jerk? Yes. <laughs> um, it's, it's a person who just um, doesn't take a moment and can be aggressive mm. in a negative way um, and just doesn't respect, doesn't, doesn't have the respect that they should for um, the people that they lead. That's how I would describe a jerk. Yeah, they're the ones that sort of almost prefer the name boss to leader in, in that sort of sense. Yeah, 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 that's a good way to say it, yeah. And, and what I'm getting from you in terms of leadership, not just your style and your approach, but what you see in others in today's leadership world, it's all about service. It's all about yes. taking the privilege of being a leader and, and giving yes. back to those that you lead. It's, that's, that's, that's what I'm yes. getting back from you. Am I? That, that kind of yeah, I think that's a super... Super way to say it. You know, we are in service of those that we lead and it is a privilege. I, I, your, your point on privilege is it's an absolute privilege to, to be able to do what we do. And, you know, I think if you think about it that way every day, um, it helps you show up the way you want to show up. Yeah. Yeah. And banish all the jerks, as you put it. <laughs> That's the funny point. Yes. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's look at another one of your focused areas. That's the last one in terms. There's other focused areas. I think you've got mentorship and um, future of work. But I just want to concentrate on this one. And you've already talked about it a little bit, but I, I'd like to expand it sort of uh, um, across the globe, if I may. It's culture. Um, yeah. With the Microsoft leaders, um, you know, country heads across the globe, what clear differences are you seeing as a result of culture or perhaps priorities, pandemic even? And perhaps what could be learned from each other? A very broad question, I know. So, so feel free to interpret it the best way you can. Yeah, sure. You know, I think in some ways, I will actually say that we've learned a lot of similarities. You know, I think that what I learned, you know, my, my previous role was a global role. Um, mm -hmm. I'm in a North American role now, but I interact with my global peers all the time. Mm -hmm. And what I will actually say is that um, I've found we've, we've, we have more similarities than we do differences in terms of culture and experiences. Certainly different parts of the world handle the pandemic differently. Mm -hmm. um, that's always gonna be the case in terms of where different countries are or different regions of the world are. But I will actually say that I'm finding more similarities than differences. So I'm finding more cultures that are, are again, focused more on working as best they can with their people, um, mm -hmm. more oriented around how do we collectively team together. You know, I'm seeing such this great um, experience of, and maybe this is just Microsoft's culture, I don't know, but we you know this, this great opportunity for us to learn from each other yeah. as we're all going through a different way to lead. And you know, when you're leading virtual teams, when you're leading hybrid teams, um, our customers talk to us about this all the time. You know, how do we do this well? How do you, how do you maintain consistency and, and fairness across teams that perhaps are virtual and, and in-person? So I'm actually seeing more similarity than difference. I, it's it's kind of neat. You know, you're just seeing people sort of band together and and think creatively. And some of the guard has come down. So some of the, you know, perhaps unwillingness to to represent some vulnerability has gone away. And that's been a, an interesting and in some ways rewarding experience to figure out how we can all collectively 
better, you know, better for the, mm -hmm. for the globe. Is that, is that a development because of the pandemic as well? I think so. I, I do. Out? Yeah, I, I do. I think that that's been, um, it's been a, you know, as I reflect, I think it's been a, yes, for sure. I think it's been really neat. And oh, one right. of the things that I experienced with customers even is, is their guard coming down. So just the willingness to sort of be open and transparent mm -hmm. around their challenges. So we can all more effectively get after solutions for them. Mm. It's, not, it's nice to talk about the silver linings of the pandemic as opposed to, as everyone yeah. knows, the disaster around it. But we don't hope for it again, but yeah, disaster around it. That's okay. right. Now That's let's right. include this episode of Let's Talk with your very own talk show, um, Cup of Sunshine. <laughs> yes, tell, my, tell yeah. my listeners about this. I've actually listened to one or two, and I think it's a video one. I know about it, but tell my listeners about it. What is the theme and the ideas? Yeah. About? Yeah, thank you. So you know what this doesn't have the name and the matching. You know, I know. <laughs> kind of <confusing> it. <laughs> it was um, yeah. This was actually born in the pandemic, and you know we were we were talking about it one day, and and just said, you know, how do we just bring some joy? Like, how do we just bring some energy and positivity? You know, there's amazing things happening with amazing people mm -hmm. around the world. We just want to share little snippets of that. So it's really about you know creating a space for people to share things that they, they've struggled through or things that they've done well. Um, there's some that are just about laughing. I mean, I'm a huge fan of, of having fun and laughing. And so it's just a nice little break to say, hey, I'm gonna listen for five minutes about someone talk about their perspective on leadership, or I'm gonna listen for five minutes about you know, someone who's accomplished an amazing a personal goal and how they got there, or someone that went through you know, a very difficult journey in their life. So they're, Quick little snippets. Um, they, we have post them on LinkedIn, and we also have a have them as a podcast if people just want to listen. Mm -hmm. So, just a little fun to bring a little joy. That's all it is. So, so, so where can they listen and subscribe to it? They are. Um, they can listen. They can go to LinkedIn. So, if they if my LinkedIn, we we post it there, and we also post it on Apple's podcast. It's on channel. the main podcast platforms. I, am I right? Yes. That? Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Hey. Deb Cup, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on Heads Talk to conclude the retail series. Many thanks for your time and insights. Thank you, Elaine. It was a pleasure. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.